This is a super fragmented environment, right? Now, when every insurance company is trying to do her own thing and try to propose its own model, and it's not unified, and it's not tapping into the same you know, data feeds and incentives, and it's so fragmented, there's, there's no way something meaningful can happen. Welcome to 20-Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. Welcome to 20-Minute Leaders. Our episode today is 248 with Aron Afek, co-founder and CEO of Vim. Aron Afek is the co-founder and CEO of Vim, improving performance of healthcare networks in the U.S., Prior to starting Vim, Oron started a telecommunications startup and a gaming company operating out of Tel Aviv, Israel. Oron received his law and business degrees from IDC Herzliya. Oron Afek, thank you so much for joining me on 20 Minute Leaders. How are you? Uh, good, Michael. Thanks for having me, man. Good to see you. So, so two really interesting things to start off. First of all, you're in Wyoming, right? Even though you're based out of San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. After what is that about? Started with- after Corona started, uh, uh, my wife and I decided to just, you know, take take this journey and start working remotely from, you know, multiple places. And, you know, it's I've been living in the U.S. for seven years now, and it's the first time actually experiencing it from the ground itself, instead of from the air. Uh, you know, those little, uh, you know, 20-minute trips from the airport into a meeting back to the airport. It's for the first time I can experience the nature, and Jackson Hole in Wyoming was one of the more attractive destinations for you know, for us to spend some time. So trying to work from the road now, and it's been amazing. I love it. I love it. So so just as fascinating as that is, you also do Ironmans, right? Yearly. Yeah, tr- try, trying to trying to keep in, um, you know, mental shape and uh, it comes it comes with a physical, it comes with a physical requirement. So I, I, tr- I try to, um, originally started to do it for, you know, just, just for the challenge, but over, over the time it'd been like a mental therapy and a great travel destination thing. So, you know, been in New Zealand, been in Mexico, places I would, I would, I wouldn't go otherwise if I hadn't had a, you know, an event. Unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, for, for a lot of people doing these Ironmans are, are almost a full-time job because of how intense they are. Uh, so just for, just for the year, tell me a little bit about what is the distance for the running, cycling and uh, for the swimming portions? Yeah. Well, the folks who are doing it full-time job, actually good athletes. I, I'm not considering myself a good athlete. I just, I just do it for the sport. <laughs> um, so the distances would be, uh, you know, uh, 3.8 kilometer swim followed by 180 kilometer bike ride, uh, and, and with a, with a marathon, uh, finish so it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty intense. <laughs> it's it sound it sounds very very intense and I'm sure that just as intense as the Ironman experience is running a startup in the in the health space and medtech space is just as intensive. So tell me a little bit about about what Vim is the company that you're currently running. Yeah, sure. So so Vim is something we started back in 2015. Um, you know maybe maybe a year a year longer if you consider the time it takes to plan and to get to get ready to get a company funded and get off the ground. Um, Vim is a operating system for healthcare networks. So, you know, we operate solely in the United States, uh, which is a story by itself, how we got here and how we started this thing here in the U.S. and then a bunch of Israelis. But uh, think about think about it this way. In Israel, we have, you know, two or three large HMOs, health maintenance organizations like Maccabi, Little Meat, and so on and so forth. Uh, 
similar to Kaiser, maybe here in the U.S., uh, fully integrated uh, payer and medical provider are part of the same entity. So full alignment of interest. Uh, everything is very streamlined. Uh, physician would like to see you to prevent cost from happening. In the U.S., it's kind of different. The system here was right. established as a fee-for-service system. So it's what you would maybe know from a world of lawyers or accountants, you know, people that would bill you by the hour, time and material, right? So physicians here actually have the wrong incentive, in my opinion, which is, you know, treat you when, when you're sick. There is, there's a lack of incentive of keeping you healthy. There's an incentive to render more care when you're getting sick. Um, this also is driven because of this separation or the institutional separation between the payer and the provider. So you have insurance companies on one end, you know, the healthcare, Cigna, and so on and so forth, and you have medical providers. In your case, you're probably very familiar with Stanford, Sutter Health, uh, uh, and all those guys. Um, so basically, this separation between church and state is actually not good in healthcare. Uh, and this misalignment of incentive, given that physicians are actually charging on a fee-for-service basis, hence they render more care, they're getting paid more, and the insurance companies would like to get, you know, to pay less, you know, to p- maintain profitability. And that inherent conflict of interest, uh, combined with IT fragmentation, is a, is a huge problem resulting in this almost $4 trillion cost, which is, you know, three times more per capita than any other OECD country. So what VIN wow. does in all this but chaos, By the way, Oron, you know, but, uh, while we're saying this, you know, you're, we understand the magnitude of what you're saying, but, and, and while you're talking about this, all I'm thinking about is, you know, that then you have millions of Americans at the end of the day, through all of this, you know, misalignment and through all this uh, disincentives that they, they were introducing into the, into the economy, we have millions of Americans that just don't have proper health benefits and they don't get taken care of when they need. They get sick when they don't need to get sick. And when they do get sick, they can't pay the bills. And so obviously, you know, on one hand, a lot of people are going out and they're solving these, you know, trillion dollar problems that of misalignment in the economy. But what you're doing here, even more than that, you're, you're actually, you know, working on, on improving people's lives, which, you know, a lot of different not not every startup can come and say that you're directly impacting whether a person perhaps lives or not or gets to get treatment when they do get sick. So I think so. So that's just to put it in perspective. It's, it's a huge problem. I believe more than half of Americans don't have four hundred dollars in the bank account to pay in in a case of emergency. And so Absolutely. you know it's even greater when we when we it's a fee for fee for service uh, type of model. But sorry, go ahead. No, I appreciate you mentioning this. You know, it's 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 easy to forget sometimes that that we're doing something that is very special and helpful for people. And you know, myself and and the company in particular are very driven people, and we're doing it first and foremost to make make a difference, not for you know economical reasons. Or, you know, we truly believe there is a huge financial opportunity side by side with fixing the system just by taking excess cost out of the system. Yeah, so it's it's incredible. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned 50% of Americans have less than, you know, $400 or less available cash in their account at any given time. Take this into consideration with the huge deductibles that people need to pay before their insurance even kicks in. Because, you know, during the tap, the past 15 years, there was a huge shift to cost to the patients, right? So insurance companies would just be you know puzzled of how they're going to pay those bills and they say let's prevent people from using the healthcare in the first place by shifting more costs and making them more responsible so they stop being opportunistic so the average family deductible is now 3500 bucks 
Wow. <laughs> and with for a year, right? Per year. And with 400 bucks for 50% of Americans, it means no access to healthcare. So, I mean, look, we can do everything we want, right? So Vim had to focus on one area where we can make it actually make a difference. So what we've been focusing on the past five years is actually building this connectivity tissue between insurance companies and physicians. Now, physicians is a physician is not a physician. So you have like maybe a thousand different EA, we call them EHRs, electronic health records or electronic medical records, you know, those old operating system that sit on those provider offices and maintain the data and help to prescribe drugs and so on and so forth. And, and obviously billing, which is the main function of those systems. And those systems don't talk with each other and they don't talk with insurance companies. So we make them all talk and, and, and enable ease of access to data and ease of transfer of data. And what we believe this is going to become, we believe it's going to become the operating system of the network of healthcare and thus become the uh, the groundwork or the infrastructure for value-based care. What is value-based care? It's a it's a world where incentives are aligned between insurance companies and physicians. So doctors are rendering care in order to get you healthier, and they're actually enjoying the downstream cost savings of your health. That's what they actually monetize, not the individual service. So think about a physician who is incentivized to render better care and for your long-term benefit and keeping healthy, that's how she's actually making money downstream. Not from rendering more care, but by rendering less care. And to actually make this happen, you need connectivity. You need data to flow. You need, you need incentives to flow. And that's what Vim does. Vim is building this operating system to enable value-based care. And, and we are very passionate about it. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm deeply curious about, about what you're saying. So I need another explanation here just to make sure I fully understand. So sure. how, how do you change the alignment so that a physician doesn't, doesn't get the value from the service but gets a value from the patient's well-being? How, how does that work? I understand the connectivity between the systems and the fact that you need some sort of operating system to, to handle all that communication across the board. But how does that change the incentive of the physician versus the insurance company? Because today, the, the swiping the credit card happens at the time of the ailment, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's, a, it's a really good question, Michael. So I think that the rule of thumb is, is in one word, is capitation. Um, if, if you think about a, a doctor in Israel or Australia or, you know, in the UK, whatever single-payer system you can think about, they're getting, they're getting a salary. And that right. salary is adjusted in accordance with the number of patients they see. So think about moving to a similar model where the primary care physician, the GP, the person who's managing your total health, right. uh, she's making a PM, PM, per member per month fee. Let's say right. she's making, uh, you know, 600 bucks per month for that patient's health, right? If it's an older, older patient, let's say, so they consume more care. If it's a younger patient, maybe 250, you know, 300 bucks a month for that patient's care, right? So she's getting that and she is responsible for the total cost of care of that patient. Just, wow. So from now on, she becomes like a mini insurance company. And, and on the back end, you have infrastructure supporting stop loss and, you know, other things you, you guys may be familiar in your, in your other day job that, you know, you guys are thinking about all, all day, right? How do, you, how do you insure the insurance companies, right? And, and so on and so forth. But, but assuming she has this infrastructure behind her, um, she's basically able to be, uh, 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 you know, rendering more care to prevent downstream cost 
and 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 she's fully incentivized to do so because she's getting the PMPM, and it's kind of a. By the way, it's amazing because think about coronavirus. Those physicians been struggling with having office visits, and people come to them. They've been losing most of their business in the first months of coronavirus because people didn't show up, didn't go to to see the, the doctor. Right. If the doctor gets paid PMPM, it's getting paid what whatever happens, right? So then you see this huge. Uh, willingness of doctors to switch the model into the PMPM capitated model, um, you know, so that that that's an amazing thing that happened in the past year. So that's what we also see a big growth for our opportunity. And, th- and wow. then you have specialists. The specialists are not primary care physicians. They don't need to think about people's total health. They need to think about specific condition and procedures right. to render. And so there's a different type of capitation that may happening for specialists. I I think about it as bundle payments. So instead of, uh, let's say, uh, someone is giving birth and seeing a you know, 300-page bill with you know, 3,000 line items that say, right. you know, that breaks down the anesthesia and the uh, hospitalization and the consultations and the MRIs and the CT scans and the, the ultrasounds and whatever you happens in that specific episode. Instead, sure. you, have a, you have a surgeon who would say, I'm going to do this delivery in $30,000. Whatever happens, happens. And I'm responsible for total cost of care for that episode. So if you cap the PCP, the primary care, the GP, on a per month, per member per month basis, and you cap the specialist on an episode basis, you can really form a marketplace, right, of value-based care. You stop paying for services. You're paying for people's health by incentivizing it either on a per-service basis, capped, or on a per member per month basis capped, you incentivize the individuals to just do what, what's good for the system. And I, I believe it's the, actually, I actually believe it's the, and that's a longer conversation than 20 minutes, but I believe it's actually the answer for other health systems like Israel and the UK and Australia where the, 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 the single payer system is actually becoming, is bankrupting because of over demand for private services. But so I actually think this can solve other Western war problems if, if you can actually build it right. Aron, how do you get to educate a new market in health and creating a new economy between you know customer, patient, doctor, relationship, and insurance, that whole triangle? You know, this is something that the US has been dealing it with for many years. Obama obviously put it at, at his at the forefront of at what the forefront of, of his campaign, uh, this idea of how do we provide accessible health care. Uh, we've seen the, the the disastrous rollout uh, of Obamacare, very unfortunately, because I think it served a, it served a, a fantastic purpose of of fundamentally allowing people access to healthcare. Which and you're doing uh, you're you're doing that you're giving that same access, but in in a different and perhaps even more meaningful way. What leads you to go and create this whole new economy, a new marketplace for doctors, for physicians, insurance companies, and patients? Yeah, I, I think these are two great questions. So the first question, maybe I'll start with answering this: like, what's different in what we do? In in terms, because because it's obviously the approach I'm presenting is not my idea. It's it's uh, you know people been thinking about it for 50 years now. But I think there's something different in what we do over what we've done before. And the second question is like, why are we why are we doing it? Why we approach this problem? And what kind of motivated? So let me answer the first question first. So, um, you know, I mean, every physician in the United States is on average is contracted with, you know, one 
large federal insurance, usually Medicare, uh, usually responsible for 50, 50% of my business as a doctor, and then another I don't know, 20 or so insurance companies, commercial insurance companies. Some of them are seeing Medicare Advantage, some of them seeing you know commercial population like large employers, whatever. This is a super fragmented environment, right? Now, when every insurance company is trying to do her own thing and try to propose its own model, and it's not unified, and it's not tapping into the same you know, data feeds and incentives, and it's so fragmented, there's, there's no way something meaningful can happen. And the doctor's not adopting those offerings because they only apply for a small subset of their patients. What Vim does is that we aggregate those, those insurance companies, and, and we're proud to have to serve uh, the largest insurance companies in the United States. So think about Anthem, United Healthcare. Uh, those two companies alone have almost 100 million Americans covered under them, right? And you're probably familiar with both. Wow. Um, so, and, and we cover additional ones. So I think as an aggregator of insurance companies, we're actually able to represent a bigger portion of membership and talk with physicians in a way that it more appeals to them. To, to really change behavior and alter their incentives and so on and so forth. Um, as per the second question is, I guess it's a more it's a more difficult question. What led us to start us? So I, I can personally speak about myself. My co-founders can tell their own story. Elena Saf, uh, you know, will be delighted to to be in your show. But uh, my personal story that. is just frust- yeah, just frustration, pure frustration from my own personal career and and where I was. You know, I was I was actually very much enjoying. Uh, my time in the military, I felt I'm contributing. I felt like I'm making a difference. And then, uh, you know, when I started to become an entrepreneur, basically, I never really worked for a company. I always tried to start my own thing. And I, and I, I think the two main companies I was involved, one is, you know, in the telecommunications space, selling to large mobile operators. And the other one is in a gaming space, selling to big gambling, uh, you know, online gaming companies. And not to discount any of the uh, the values that those Two seg, you know, two areas are driving for the world. I haven't felt, I haven't, I haven't felt fulfilled and driven doing those things. I, I felt like, um, you know, the economical impact in on my personal life uh, was was pretty much gone after I made, you know, I would say a, a little, a little uh, pocket of change that I could, you know. Right. Uh, afford to pay rent and, and maybe some some more and and I felt like that, that's not really making any more difference for me. I'm trying to sure. really think about something that will make a difference. And and the first thing it wasn't healthcare. The first thing was I want to start a business with the, with mechanics that I'll be passionate about. And I put this spreadsheet and I said this little exercise. You know, if I could start you know any type of company ten years ago, what I would start and the, the names on the spreadsheet were Amazon and Uber and Airbnb and you know it wasn't Google, it wasn't Apple, it wasn't any of these, right? And I was thinking, what is the common denominator? And, and I saw that marketplaces is what I'm really passionate about. I started reading everything about marketplaces, including the Everything Store, which is the Amazon early book that you know really inspired all, a lot of what you see in Vim from, from my standpoint. And so you know. As, as a as a frustrated uh, builder with a hammer looking for a nail, I was looking for my marketplace to be built. And Obamacare was starting to emerge back in 2014, and and it it looked such a natural uh, natural place for me to 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 try something, right? So it's like huge variation of cost with no with no difference in quality. It's like retail 25 years ago. Right, I mean, it's it's just amazing opportunity and cost and quality variation in healthcare is the biggest disparity in in the in everything else in the world. I mean, U.S. healthcare is the most, uh, you know, 
the biggest market with variation that you can ever imagine. So I thought it's a great opportunity. And, and I, I didn't know anything about healthcare back then. I don't think I know too much today, but I, I think I know a little bit more. And I, and I, feel, I feel very lucky to, to stumble upon the, this amazing opportunity and, and industry and people. And uh, it's, it's, been, it's been fun. I think it's it's fascinating and it's inspiring for me to hear about about the shift in you and 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 this sort of own self responsibility that you took over your own contentness happiness and satisfaction and fulfillment right I mean you're I believe that they they've done multiple studies on happiness levels and, and satisfaction levels of people and sorry and uh, multiple levels of satisfaction and fulfillment of people and they found that. Uh, there is the uh, as you approach, I believe, eighty or ninety thousand dollars a month, a, a year salary. It's actually like a logarithmic curve, right? Your happiness shoots up as you are able to feed uh, your family and, and pay your rent. But then, as you reach that eighty, ninety, a hundred thousand, it starts leveling out, and then the extra money doesn't actually make a difference in fulfillment. Uh, and and that's where you go and you and you find your passion and I just love that. Oren, thank you so much for for being on the show. Thank you for being so generous with your time. This was inspiring for me and it's inspiring me and hopefully my friends as well who are listening to this to go and tackle these big big problems that are both very economical for a startup but also just huge impact on people's lives. Uh, but before we go, I have to ask you the most important question, which is three words that you would use to describe yourself. Wow, it's a uh, and the hardest question. Good question, yeah. Um, well, you know, the thing, the the first one is uh, the first one is easy. Uh, I think I'm pretty driven. You just describe why, and I think it's a really good description. I'm I'm really not motivated by money. I, I'm motivated by impact. Um, I think I, I rediscovered myself. You know, I'm thirty. I'm thirty eight now, so rediscovered myself in the age of thirty. Uh, the second one is. Um, Fortunately or unfortunately, I'm pretty optimistic. So, you know, need to try and see the horizon, the full picture and, and what's what's going to happen and try to believe in this and, and try to be part of that. Uh, I, I am truly optimistic the U.S. healthcare system is going to change because uh, if it's not going to change, uh, you know, we're going to have a 20% GDP problem kind of problem, you know, emerging in the next couple of years. It's, it's ridiculous, right? So uh, something need to change. So hope, hopefully to be in the right side of the change. Uh, the third one is pretty tactical, I think. Um, I think I'm pretty decisive. Um, so, I mean, there, there, there is a unlimited, you know, number of literature pages, you know, articles, people you can speak with in this industry yeah. and, uh, and it's not never going to be enough. And, and I think just Definitely. me coming from a place of zero knowledge, don't know what I don't know, uh, you know, alongside my co-founders and, and, you know, we try to make, make a difference in this industry. Decisiveness is a really important feature. And, and, uh, I, I think those three maybe describe me at least, at least in 2020 or in the past, you know, seven years, they describe it pretty well. So I love it. Ron, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your time in, in Wyoming. Thank you for making a, a, an impact in a lot of people's Thanks for lives. Having me, man. And stay safe and stay healthy. You too, Michael. Thanks, man. Hey.